Welcome to the Creating Sales Stars podcast. Each week, our host Pete Evans will be joined by some of the big and upcoming names within the sales industry. This is brought to you by Sales Star UK. <laughs> So uh, this week on the the Crazy Sales Stars podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Tim Ogle, who has been with Sales Star now as a high performance sales coach for just over a year. In fact, it was yesterday that he celebrated his first anniversary with a team in the UK. Um, Tim has got an ex- extensive background in commercial excellence, leading uh, sales team. So Tim, for the benefit of our listeners this week, would you like to explain a bit about your background? Yeah, sure. So. Uh, extensive experience in sales and sales leadership and running business so it isn't just about selling but it's been about commercial um, commercial leadership and management started out my life working in British aerospace as it was then uh, then moved into IT sales and tech sales and very much hit the floor in sort of cold call and and down the bottom and I've, I've gradually worked my way up through various industries and various sectors so I've been through cold call been through account management, account exec, uh, and then into running sales teams and running business divisions which had heavy sales elements to them. Uh, and in terms of sectors, it's been through engineering, it's been through technology, it's been through banking, and luckily cybersecurity. So a real broad brush. Yeah, that's a, that's a real breadth of experience. And, and in those sectors that you've worked in, what have they been the sort of common sales challenges that, you, that you've seen? That's a really interesting question. Um, the two biggest ones I think which jump out is first of all having salespeople who've got the the passion and the the, the resilience to sell uh, and then for them to believe that they can do things that they need to do and then the other challenge has always been how do you balance the the, the expectations of the business in terms of targets and match that against what you have to deliver in terms of tangible sales and the challenge specifically coming out is how do you balance the long-term plan with the with the potential impacts of short-termism that comes through yeah i mean it's interesting you've talked about lo- the long-term plan and short-termism uh, are you experienced as a coach clients having much more short-term expectations in terms of results they've got to deliver it is it, a challenge that happens in sales often because many businesses will have whether it's like a massive multinational conglomerate or a much more smaller owner-led business, there's still targets that are set from high and there's a business plan that's being agreed. And yes, as a harsh reality, you've got to hit those things. However, if hitting those things means that you're going to empty your entire pipeline of sales deals and potentially damage client relationships in closing short-term deals, I don't believe that's the right thing to do because you may hit this quarter, but you've got another three quarters this year and then you've got another four next year and four after that to keep going through and I think the risk of going really short term is that you really impact that long term growth so there is a very fine line to be trod here I think the other thing you find is to get that short t- short termism coming through you, you're potentially going to damage margin because the things that come through in that short termism are things like discounting so that eagerness to close a deal and panic comes through in having to discount and agree prices that you might not necessarily like to agree and that can be long-term damaging so that's why I find it a really interesting conflict in terms of how you run the business and what about from a sales leader's perspective I mean obviously you've been in some you know significant sales leadership positions in your sort of your previous career you know what are the sort of skills that you had to develop as a sales leader and perhaps to help you overcome some of the short-termism of the business 
Okay, so two sides to this story as a leader. There's one how you're presenting upwards in the business and how you're managing expectations. And then the other side of the, the argument here is how you're leading and managing the team that are looking for you for that for that consistency and guidance and inspiration. So I'll start with the, the first one of those, which is how do you manage your expectations upwards? I've had many debates with many senior directors, CEOs of various businesses, and they go, we need this to hit this. Your pipeline needs to look like this. And the conversation that often happens will be something around, look, I can make your pipeline look like any number you want it to. I can make this look as good or as bad as you want. I don't mind. But I would rather tell you the truth. And that that's a really interesting conversation to have as a sales leader. Because there's many sales leaders who are starting out in sales and they don't necessarily have that confidence to tell the truth and show the picture that needs to be told. The worst thing you can do is make a pipeline look bigger than it perhaps is or richer or more fulfilling than it perhaps is because okay it'll get you out of trouble for the next month and maybe the next three months and the next six months but everything you've got in there will come home to roost in not selling and that's when you really get found out so I found that you really need to be pragmatic and very straightforward and honest in terms of how you present the pipeline so that people up on the top of the business first of all know what the situation is they secondly know how to set the expectations more widely across the business as well because if they haven't got the truth they're going to come down you like a ton of bricks if they've been misled as well and that's worse than you just making a mistake and I think having the confidence to show that pragmatism and that balance is, is really important and not something that comes through in many people starting out in sales leadership they often think they have to show this really rosy picture all the time and yes you need to show a realistic picture and yes you want to see positive trends but unless you tell the truth you'll never see the visibility and the reality of what's happening so that's the upward side of it okay and what about the downward side then? the downward <coughs> side this is where it becomes interesting for me because the sales leader has to then take a different approach to this and I've always found there's a few things that come out here in terms of how I, how I would manage the team one you have to be really clear of what the goals are you have to really lay out this is the goals and equally you share the reality of where you are so if it's great it's great if it's not great it's not great but let people see the transparency of the business situation that you're in because they're, they're clever enough to figure out the gaps they know what needs to be done and I think after that it's about two things one it's about helping them become the best salesperson they can and that can be through all sorts of situations whether it's coaching whether it's training whether it's just counseling and listening and, and helping them unpick problems that they encounter but it's also about being really consistent in how you behave I think I've seen I've, I've had feedback and seen many situations where that lack of consistency doesn't help uh, and, and certainly I found consistency helps and by consistency what I mean is if you've got something that's going really really well praise them but be consistent with it and if something's going terribly well or somebody makes a real howl or drops drops a big bomb and it's a massive mistake the worst thing you can do at that point is go ballistic because that salesperson will never tell you the truth again they're going to be so frightened of your reaction so i found that that really good consistent approach in terms of how you react to good and bad problems and great news has been important because it inspires that trust in the sales team around you so they know they can come to you with anything do you think it's hard to be consistent as a leader? I think it takes a certain degree of personal resilience 
and a certain degree of personal confidence that you you need to you need to develop within you and if you get that then yes you can be more consistent i think there's another side to this as well which is what do you see as being really important in a salesperson in a sales function and what are the skills and attributes and competencies that people need to to perform so i think if you can have that personal resilience in terms of holding off the barrage of potential pressure that comes from upwards and down into you from the business provide that consistency that that's that's a skill in its own right and i think having a really clear view of what what's valuable in terms of a sales operation and therefore the people that work in that sales operation is also really important because if you get a clear view of that yes you can be very consistent in how you react and how you operate and you, you've mentioned coaching a, a couple of times why do you believe as a leader coaching is so important to developing salespeople and sales <laughs> managers God, it's, it's 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 the adage of helping people become brilliant themselves in my head so this is about helping people be brilliant I, I've been a massive advocate of supporting people to become amazing salespeople everywhere I've been and you can teach people stuff you can tell people things and yes that's helpful for the first five percent of a problem but the coaching then puts it into context of how you're going to use it in that situation they find themselves and then there's a second layer of that is that everybody's different everybody's personality is a bit different so each per salesperson has their own attributes their own style their own personality and, and you've got to be authentic in this you can't homogenize every salesperson to be a, a retrofit of each other that's not going to work because you'll come across as inauthentic so coaching helps you localize the theory and helps them embed it into how they operate and practice but it does more than that because by not telling them what the answer is and by helping them position it through in terms of how they're operating it does a few things first of all it helps them understand the problem better so they can understand how it fits in the in the world that they operate and how they operate but they're also going to take more ownership and accountability for that specific problem because they'll have they'll have developed it themselves and therefore they'll go yeah i'm actually more likely to adopt that rather than just said tim said do it like this therefore i'll do it like that and the first time they try and it doesn't work they'll go well that's a load of rubbish because it was tim's idea not mine and the third part of this is you're likely to get more buy-in into into the change that people need to make and you're, bound to, you're going to get a more sustained ability to improve within that business and then being very selfish if you coach and you can help drive that sort of better accountability in people around you you're likely to get less problems landing on your desk okay so it saves you time as well i mean that that's a great thing to have yeah so what would you say to a a sort of sales leader who's maybe got you know three or four sales manager reporting into him and the sales manager's still doing some of the selling and yet he want he wants the sales manager to do less selling and coach this what advice would you give this is a fascinating one because there's many businesses out there that say they want sales managers but actually they want to try and cut both apart so they want a player manager and this is i think this is a fascinating debate of whether player managers in sales actually work an analogy back in sport does a player manager in football or rugby work as well i'm not sure it does always it's often a very conflicted role and I think that reads across into into sales as well. I also don't think you can easily do both roles because if you're a sales manager who's selling, 
you're instantly going to be stepping away from coaching because you're going to be going, look, I do it like this, this works, you all copy me. That's not coaching. That's basically leading by example. And yes, it is, but it doesn't mean everybody will do it the way you do it. And it isn't necessarily the right answer. The way that works for you isn't necessarily the way that will work for the other 14 people in your team. So I, I'm, I'm, I can understand why businesses go for player managers, sales player managers. I personally think if budget can stretch, you should separate the roles because I think you'll get more sustained growth from having a sales manager who's a very, very good sales manager and then salespeople who are very, very good salespeople. So I think there's a if the budget stretches, separate and, and distinguish the two roles as much as you can. I also think that salespeople don't automatically become good sales managers and sales managers aren't automatically good salespeople. They are two quite different jobs. I think you need appreciation of both roles, but you can have some amazing sales managers and sales leaders who have not necessarily been the best salespeople on earth. So therefore, I think there is a separation of duties. And what if you're a salesperson and you're working with a, a sales manager who's not been particularly great at selling? You know, How does that sales manager earn, earn the salesperson's respect then? This is back to coaching. <laughs> you can be, you can be, uh, you can be an amazing coach, but not be the best performer of that specific thing you're coaching. And that happens in many fields. Sales, yes, but it happens in football. It happens in all sports. It happens in all sorts of other activities that we find ourselves doing in the world. Um. So, so yeah, the um, the sales manager to get respect. I think it helps if you've been a salesperson. I think it certainly helps. But I have seen sales leaders come through who haven't ever worked in sales. That has happened. It's unusual, but it does happen. I think the respect comes from providing that leadership. It's about leadership. It's leadership setting the agenda. It's setting the, 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 the culture and the momentum of that team, setting the value sets that are really important for that for that sales function. And that respect will come from... You know, as I've talked about already, it's, it comes back from holding the pressure back from the business so that the, the salespeople have that space to perform, that space to experiment and try. The, I think providing that 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 bubble of support for salespeople will help salespeople perform, and therefore that respect will generate because of it. Okay. So we often talk about the, and this is linked to coaching, the difference between lagging indicators which are the financial indicators which is essentially the the, the financial history mm -hmm. you know of sales and then we talk about leading indicators which are more about like the behavioral indicators which will predict future success why, why do you think organizations are still hung up on looking at history rather than the, some of the behavioral indicators which will improve performance why are they hung up historic indicators you could argue are real, as in they're unequivocally yeah. like accurate. Because if it's, if it's history and you're measuring the right things, therefore you're going to know it's correct. It's useful for, to hit people over the head with. <laughs> you know, you, can, you go right. Your sales target was X, and you've only hit X minus ten percent. Therefore, you're failing. Yeah. Or you know, positively, your target was this. You've done X plus ten percent. You've you've done really well. So it's great to hit people over the head with, or, or probably less frequently praise people with. Yeah. But hitting people over the head doesn't inspire to do better. 
and it doesn't help you predict what the future is going to look like. However, if you see a if you see a historic trend that's obviously gone down for the last six months, you can probably tell that something's not right here. Yeah. Is it the salesperson? Is it the products and services you're selling? Is it the way you're selling it? Is it just something wider in the market that's conflicting this? Um, so it lets you understand what's happened. However, it's got use, but only so much. I think it's much more useful to start looking at the leading indicators, either the stuff which is trying to predict and forecast what's going to happen. That's where you can have more positive, empowering impact in terms of the sales performance. And that will come through in things like measuring the things that you should have right at the start of your sales process. So how many leads are you getting? How many conversations are you having? How many clients are you actually having a, a good, insightful discovery meeting with? Which will lead through to presentations and proposals and things like that. If you can tell early on in your pipeline that, like, okay, so we've got five things we can close next week, but I can see actually we've got no initial leads coming into the business. You can probably predict if your sales cycle is 16 weeks long that in 16 weeks we're going to have nothing to close. That's a problem. And that's why I think it's really important that we start looking at this more holistically across the entire sales process lifecycle from start to finish. And many businesses come back to that short-termism. They're very focused on, I need to close this many things this week, this month, this quarter. And depending on the industry and sector they work on, that sales cycle is clearly going to have a lag time anywhere from a few weeks up to 12 months in some industries. But unless you look at what's going on at the start, by the time you've got the problem, it's too late to fix it. So you could, if you've got a sales cycle of three months, say, you can start looking at the indicators that tell you what's happening now and you can tell if you're going to have a problem in three months time and then you can start to root cause fix why is that problem happening right at the start of the process and then try and predict and put preventive action in to make that happen and mitigate the problem that you can see coming rather than get turning up in three months and going right salesperson you've missed your sales target by 20 percent you're rubbish and if you're being really rash you're now fired and that doesn't help anybody okay tim i know you're a keen cyclist Mm. Um, and I know you've done some, you know, cycling challenges. I know you've got another one coming up. So, w what lessons have you learned from y your cycling pursuits that you know people can apply to leadership or management or even even selling? What are the things that you you perhaps learned over the years from from cycling? I like cycling with friends because it's a good chance to talk. How does that help leadership? I'm not sure. But I think it links across into it's a really good chance to take time out and talk about the situation you're in and the problems you find and, and how life is around you. And uh, that reads across into certainly sales and business. I think it's, it's good to take time and talk to sort of colleagues around you and peers and people who you trust around you to spend some time just to decompress. So that that is definitely one thing I think we need to take across into business. I strangely really like climbing hills which most people veer away from. They always look at hills and go, I hate them. Where I look at them and go, I want to climb that hill. And it's a, it's a strange sort of mix of stuff in my head when I go there because I like the hill because it's going to be hard. It's a challenge. I like challenges. If you don't like challenges, don't come into sales. There's no point. This is not an easy place to work. I like the fact that when you're going up the hill, you can only be focused on one thing which is probably actually climbing up that hill and therefore there's a real strong focus that comes into what you're actually doing and everything else in the world disappears in terms of the distraction 
and the analogy will come across into sales is like when you're in that sales moment when you're trying to push that pipeline and you know, you're on that challenge for the month of the quarter stay really focused on it because if you get distracted and other stuff gets in the way you're likely to not perform as well as you can so there's a read across between that that sort of climbing hills and striving to achieve and when you get to the top of a hill it's a great feeling because you can turn around and look around you and go that was great and I love the view and hopefully there's decent weather when you get there <laughs> not always it can be horrible <laughs> in which case you get straight on the bike and carry on down again but you get down to the pub at the bottom and you can have a beer and you can sit in reflection going yeah that was actually really really good you feel good about yourself and achieving those goals is a huge thing and again sales the beauty of sales and working in sales is it's the downside is one of the most measured jobs in the world the positive is is one of the most measured jobs in the world so when you've succeeded you really know you've succeeded it's very digital it's very obvious if you work in some other functions in business it's less obvious that you've had huge success so it becomes intangible and that tangibility is quite I think quite cool because you can get that that personal personal gratification for success very quickly and you can know how you're doing also on the way to success and adjust course if you need to so if I'm cycling and I know like I said I've got this challenge in a few weeks to cycle the London 100 which is 102 miles uh, it will be my longest day ride out I'm, I know I can do it I want to do it well I, want, I don't just want to scramble around I want to get around and perform so therefore I'm having to train and do it and if you take that same mindset across into sales that training and, and thinking what do I have to do to get better, stronger, fitter, faster in a sales environment perfectly reads across too Okay, <coughs> That's what, so this brings me on to another topic I know we've discussed this at, at length not on this podcast but in terms of salespeople practicing so you've just mentioned there about you know you're doing this challenge in a few weeks time 102 miles and you want to be the best you can be and you're getting out there um practicing you know doing some trade some some training cycles i know you've been doing a lot of uphill as well recently mm. why do you think salespeople don't want to practice and why do you think sales managers don't encourage them to do it more oh, because it doesn't deliver immediate results i think is my <laughs> short uh, short answer on that <laughs> And the reason I think that, people want magic. They want to go, right, I've had a training course, therefore tomorrow I'm going to be 20% better at selling. And it's more than that. If I went training tomorrow, today on a bike, and I went training the day after tomorrow, and the day after tomorrow, and the day after, and so on, I won't see benefit for that for three or four weeks from now. I don't get stronger by doing one bike ride. I get stronger by doing many, many, many things. Yeah. And a combination of diet, and a combination of... of relaxation and stretching and other stuff I hate stretching but I have to do it because otherwise yeah. I get really tight muscles yeah. in sales it's not just training it's a combination of things because you've got to yes you've got to know some skills you've got to sort your mindset out you've got to practice you've got to make some mistakes which is why it's important to have leadership that allows you to have that safety net to make some mistakes because you will if you're going to try anything and the combination of all those things together over a period of time will make some marked difference in how you perform but it doesn't have a marked difference on next week's results and I think too many businesses and too many sales managers are so focused on next week's results that they don't look at the slightly wider perspective which is if we get next week's results wrong but I can get this month's results right overall we're going to be in a far stronger position than we are right now and that comes back to some of the things I was saying about setting expectations in the business and transparency you've got to have the bravery and the commitment to set the plan of what you're going to do to get the sales performance up where you need it but it may be that that sales performance doesn't increase this week 
but in next month you'll see a step change and in three months you'll see a bigger step change and then you'll see a sustainable change over the rest of the year and into next year and that's why I think you need to balance the short term and long term things in terms of how we look at this and that short termism stops people taking the time to train and develop and practice and, pr and make mistakes and learn from those mistakes so what do you say to sales managers who say for example but yeah tim you know you talk about doing these role plays with my team and you know observing pete in role plays but role players aren't real life you know that doesn't <laughs> the things we do in in a role play just don't happen in in real life what would you what advice would you give those sales managers if they're, they're pushing back on doing role plays with a team I think role first of all role play I think is a fantastic tool to practice in a safe place you can make mistakes very cheaply in a role play if you practice on your clients it's very very expensive so if you're working towards the biggest deal of the year and the first time you're going to practice a new way of doing something is in front of that client and you make a mess of it and you lose the deal because of that that's a massively expensive training course so therefore, role play is a great way, first of all, to practice in an environment where, yes, you feel a bit stupid to start with, but I think once you've done a bit more of it, you get very used to it, and it becomes a thing that you actually quite enjoy. It, it creates that mental muscle memory to help you implement the things that you need to implement. So I know when we're coaching and training sales managers, sales people mm. to, to adopt various techniques such as how to consultatively question with clients and understand pain points. We give them some methodologies to 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 learn that. And then those methodologies inherently turn into scripts. So you'll see salespeople write like I need to ask these like eight questions and then there's another four questions of this and another three questions of that. And that's fine at that point to help you get that muscle memory of what the structure feels like. And I say feel because it's got to be instinctive. But after you've written that script, I always recommend a few weeks in, right, rip your script up and throw it in the bin and never look at it again. Because now we need to get it embedded into how you think and how you act, not how you're reading a script. Because if you don't do that, it will come across as inauthentic and you won't be really probing into what the client's genuinely trying to achieve here as a business. And the reason role play is so important here is because that's a way to start throwing those scripts away. You can use them, but the more you do it, the less you need them and therefore those scripts go in the bin. <coughs> so I think essentially what you're saying is that this is about role play is a really good way of salespeople developing the right habits. Yes, yes, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, and you've, met, you've mentioned a few times mindset and you, t you, know, you talked about when you're cycling and you're one of these people who says you look at a hill and think, fantastic, I'm going to achieve that goal and set out. You know, how do you continually show up with the right mindset I wouldn't always say fantastic when I've seen some of the hills I pedal up. <laughs> I do go with the strive if I want to do it, but I yeah. don't always go, wonderful. <laughs> you know, if you're a sales leader and you, you know, you, you're the, you know, more, we're well into the second quarter now for most businesses and you're perhaps looking at the, the rest of the year and, you, and your target and you're thinking, well, I'm a, I'm a little bit off target. You know, I'm probably feeling a bit of pressure from the, from the board or the stakeholders you know, how do you maintain that having that right mindset? And this this comes down to the crux of whenever I've recruited salespeople in the teams I've worked in and the businesses I've worked around, I've always looked for three things. Uh, and these are very personal to me. These are the three sort of things I will always try and filter out. Number one is always around bravery. Sales is hard. Don't come to this sector and this job if you don't want. If you want an easy life, don't come here. 
this this is a tough place to work but it's a hugely rewarding place and i personally find it really exciting because you're at the front end of the business you're shaping where it goes you're you're choosing the customers that are going to come to this business and you can potentially change the direction of a company because of it so yes it's tough but it's a really interesting place to be because it's the most dynamic part of a business you've got to be brave to do that it's a brave place it's very revealing it's very exposing and if you haven't got that bravery and that personal resilience then it's going to be hard and i like that challenge i like the bravery side of it i like the fact you've got to push your place push yourself into places where where you're not necessarily going to be always comfortable and you're going to challenge yourself often so number one's bravery number two inquisitiveness how do you you've just got to be naturally inquisitive and care about the world around you and in the world around you I mean the businesses and the customers that you're going to be working with you've just got to be super interested in what they're trying to achieve because if you do that you're going to find out more about what they're trying to achieve and become that trusted advisor that every business is seeking to do and if not trying to seek do that come and talk to us because I think you should be thinking about <laughs> how do you become that trusted advisor for your clients and not just do it in a yes words on a slide way I mean absolutely mean it and believe it and then the third bit of the mindset it comes back to and the value set for me is all about that passion and drive and wanting to succeed and wanting to win and wanting to success and like I say that varies from person to person a little bit some people love to achieve goals other people love to get commission other people love to see success from like fixing businesses problems it depends what it is but everybody's got that drive to succeed in there somewhere so I think those three things together if you can get that right you'll probably find a really good salesperson in there and there's a bit more to it I know than that but that that's the crux in terms of what I've looked for and I've always found good salespeople okay so <clears throat> Tim we're, we're sort of coming towards the end of the podcast I've got two sort of final questions for you the first one is you know what piece of advice would you give to a newly promoted sales leader what what was the one nugget that you could share with them that will really get them off to a fast start as a sales leader I I say this to lots of sales managers and leaders that I've worked with especially when they're stepping into that first ever leadership role and I, I first of all I don't differentiate between sales management yeah. and sales leadership they're the same it's leadership manager is just a, a, a function of what we do as a role leadership yeah. is actually what you're doing but to do leadership I've defined what my three things is I, I really value in terms of what I look for in a sales function. I think you need to take some time to figure out what your three things are. And they'll be slightly different for everybody. You can copy mine by all means, but I think you need to make them personal to you. That's kind of part one of the first step. Part two of the first step is then share that with your team so that they understand what it is that's really important to make success happen in this business. So that's part one. It's very much internalizing what is important to you and what works as a sales leader and then sharing it with your team so they don't feel confused or puzzled as to why you're acting like you're acting. Number two, you've got to develop that confidence and relationship with the senior people in the business so that you can be transparent and pragmatic and honest. Because again, without that, you're going nowhere. You'll either overfluff things and you'll be, you know, you'll be, you'll be found out six months down the line. And certainly when you're starting out in sales leadership, that's hard to do because you're figuring out how to be a leader, you're figuring out how to manage the expectations of the business. I think the, the earlier you can be forge that really tight relationship with the most senior people in the business and have that really good, open, transparent conversation and learn to get that trust, two things happen. First of all, you learn that actually it's okay to give bad news. Secondly, the leadership trusts you a lot more because they know what you're saying is right. That's really important. Okay. 
So finally, Tim, if people want to uh, find you, what's the best way of getting in touch with you? Okay, three ways. Um, but probably the quickest and easy way is find me on LinkedIn. You'll find me as Tim.Ogle, and thankfully I've got quite an unusual name, so I am not difficult to track down. But yeah, con- connect with me, message me on there, and I will always get back. And any problems, any questions anybody's got about anything, just feel free to reach out. I always like to help. Okay, well, uh, Tim, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, be interviewed by myself today, and uh, look forward to welcoming you back to the podcast series in the future. I'd love to do it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by SalesStar and hosted by Pete Evans. For more information about what we can offer you, head to our website at salesstar.com forward slash UK. You can also find us on all social media platforms just by searching for SalesStar UK.